Welcome to HealthAid Chats. I'm Barry, the co-founder and CEO of HealthAid. We uh, democratize health information from health experts like Jeff here we have today um, to optimize your health and performance, um, particularly with a focus on preventive health. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Barry. Great to be with you. So Jeff is a very special guy. He's had a great, interesting and multifaceted career um, in an era of sport and psychology. Did you want to tell us a bit more about yourself, Jeff? Uh, well, I, you know, I've um, been in the field now for almost 25 years and working with uh, athletes in multiple sports. Uh, tennis seems to be uh, the, the most common and what I'm working with the most now, junior players, college pro, certainly league players, recreational players as well. Um, and I have a few others that have joined me on my, uh, my team, Mental Edge and Fearless Tennis. And um, I found my way to sports psychology by feeling deeply that I was not playing the way I felt I could. I was not hitting through the ball specifically. I wasn't playing loose and free as I, I liked. I discovered that feeling sort of a bit randomly, uh, which, which really triggered me to go back to school and learn about the, the uh, mind body and sports psychology and the brain and, and so forth and became licensed as a clinical therapist and specializing in sports psychology. And I've continued to play myself. I've played juniors college professionally for a few years and I still compete on the senior tour. Right. And did you say humbly you were world number one or you're currently being involved? Uh, I, was, I was number one, number one in the world in the 35 age division. Uh, wow. And I won 35 worlds in the 45 worlds. Yeah. And uh, so I, I still love to you know, play the nationals in the, here in the U.S. Uh, I hope to play the world championships next year. Yeah. So still going. Yeah. I enjoy the game so much. Yeah. Right. And you're based in uh, Northern California. In Northern California, yeah, I've been here about 20, uh, 25 years now, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, on, on that point, we uh, want to sort of extend the discussions from there um, around how people can optimise their performance, particularly in an important but possibly under-discussed area around, like, mental health or mental resilience, mental performance. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm a recreational tennis player myself, I play weekly and it's hard for me to get better. And it's, it's kind of like frustrating at many times. Sometimes you have great games and then sometimes you don't and then you feel like giving up. Um, I've got two kids, one two and a half and one four that they've, they've started really early programs in, in tennis. Uh, not that I want them specifically to be tennis players, um, but I think it's a great social sport and tool um, it just gives them a bit of a ride on a Sunday morning than sleeping in. Um, and the program that I've sent them to does eventually lead to more serious ones if, if they're interested in that. And there's a bit of multi-sport activities there too. Um, so um, we can start off, yeah. So you're saying a, a lot of the, the people you, you coach are juniors um, that perhaps aspire to become pro eventually. Um, and they've got other commitments juggling like academic pursuits and, and, and the rest of it. Um, what's your take on that currently in 2022? What, what's the current evidence? Um, what are the trends you're seeing with parents during or after COVID? 
Oh, yeah, it's quite a question these days, isn't it? Um, uh, well, I think, uh, you know, the Varsity Blues uh, um, incident that happened a couple of years ago certainly does tell a story, right, in terms of the level of pressure in terms of getting kids into good colleges in the U.S. It, it's still, um, the pressure has increased significantly over the years uh, to, for, for, you know, parents and kids really wanting to play college tennis and at 10 years old, the kids are already thinking college tennis or professional tennis. And um, uh, it's become a, um, a path that um, it, it can be quite unhealthy in many situations. Uh, parents overrating their kids. And I think it's, uh, it's sad to see and hear some of the stories, you know, in terms of just that level of pressure, but it, it really needs to be done the right way. And that's a, it's a tough answer because every kid is different. Uh, every, every family has their own sort of structures, but, but it can be laden with tr tremendous pressure on winning and losing, which unfortunately can stunt development. So, so yes, the pressure is enormous. Uh, the vision is early now with parents and kids and uh, uh, trying to find the perfect solution, whether that be an academy or different pros and impatience. It, it, there's a number of things that are happening right now. So, uh, and we know the statistics of how many actually make it professionally. Um, and I would say that D1 college tennis, while maybe a, a, a goal and a, and a worthy one, D, Division Two, Division Three in the U.S. is still very good tennis and not to mention very, very good schools academically too. Very interesting. Um, there's a research from your association in the US that suggested that playing tennis regularly for kids actually, I don't know if it was a cause and effect relationship, but there was improved academic performance or they generally scored higher at school. Do you know much about that area particularly? Why? Say again that they perform better in school. Yeah, in school? Relative, what, relative, relative to not playing tennis. Uh, that, that their success academically Correct. was higher yep. than those who actually pursued tennis. Uh, no, the ones that pursued tennis had academically higher results uh, than didn't. It, I see. Yep. Um, uh, I, well, on one hand, you know, I haven't heard that exactly, that, that research, that being said, you know, when you are that disciplined and you are, are becoming a competitive junior player, of course you are putting in yeah. tremendous hours, which means your structure, your discipline, it's built in the, the academics, the studying is part of that discipline that you develop. And so if you're not doing well enough in school, tennis is gonna be compromised. So they can go hand in hand and, and you know, what do you do you get if you're, you want to get something done, give it to a busy person, right? So sure. <laughs> there's that. And then of course, if you don't have structure, you don't have goals and so forth with, and you're, you're not playing sports, you, you know, you can certainly procrastinate and waste time yeah. and you don't learn those important skills. On that note, like, how do you know if your kid has it or not and when to ramp it up and take them to all these exotic schools or just leave it as it is and what frequency have you found that's good for their mental health while developing their skills and experience at the same time and having that balance? 
Well, it's interesting and it does depend on the kid, of course, right? Temperament and also um, talent and athleticism. Uh, what, what is happening, I'd say in many, many cases, perhaps the majority now in terms of trend, you asked about trend, is to uh, specialize early in tennis. So kids are starting much, much earlier and the load on their body is greater than it ever was before. So the injuries we know uh, based on research that it's much, much higher now. Kids are getting uh, hurt, shoulders, knees, et cetera. I've seen it myself uh, where they're, the, the amount of tennis, you know, three hours a day at 10, eight, 10, 11, oh. uh, you know, <laughs> and then, and they, by 16, they, they, they burn out, they quit. They, they're not having fun. And you know, when you're eight, 10, it's um, what kid wants to play three hours a day of tennis. I mean, there are those special kids who love it and it is their, their choice too. But um, I think it's important for parents and coaches to be cautious and be aware of the impact on the body and also not being well-rounded. I think there's something uh, to be said to have balance, to have uh, the family um, not focusing just on your tennis because the pressure I've seen then can be enormous for kids, right? That's all they have, that's all they know. Their identity is, is all in on tennis. Um, so uh, some kids have the talent, they can wait a little bit longer, a few years later. I happened to start at 13 years old to play you know, every day. Um, and I went down to Boletari, it was the second year of the academy there. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I was able to play D1 and uh, played number one at UC Santa Barbara there. So starting at 13 was late compared to my peers. I was able to make up for that in, in passion. I'm still playing, which is perhaps the biggest win of all. But, but uh, so I think it's just important to be extremely cautious before 12 years old in terms of the body physically, and not to mention emotionally. Kids are melting down at 11, 12. All they can think about is winning and losing. So uh, they're, they're, you're, you know, you're potentially stunting their growth because they're so emotional, they're hijacked. They don't have any tools, which is why mental training is becoming more you know, accessible, more available, and more, more talked about which is good and it takes a special sort of art and science with young kids to, to give it to them. They can learn it, it's much, it's harder, but, it, but they can learn it. So anyway, those are some thoughts initially. Very interesting. Um, have you read Andre Agassi's biography? Yeah. Of course, a couple of times, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, it's a good example, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he, he grew and evolved uh, over time. Yeah, and it took some months, but yeah, absolutely. That level of uh, that was pretty extreme, and you know that kind of repetition, hitting balls the right way. The technique. That's another aspect is making sure the technique is right from the beginning. If you get it right early, that's a tremendous advantage, of course, than if you're trying to fix grips at 14 or you know, 15, right? For, so that technical, um, you know, getting that clean early is really crucial. And if you can get that foundation, I think you can, um, you know, you can be a little bit more mindful about the, the amount of load quantity that mm. you, you expose these kids to, you know? Yeah, because um, I, I, I just bought that his Andre, uh, Andre Agassi, I bought his course just out of interest. Like he's got an intermediate training course on uh, Udemy. And 
he actually talked about mental health and things like that. And he, he said the biggest lessons he, he, he wants to share to the world is the fact that it's not about winning and losing, which relates back to your first point at all. And it was completely wrong and it basically stuffed up his life as a result of that. And that, you know, there's this kind of spiritual development element to it um, around staying present. Exactly. And all that stuff is... And enjoying the moment. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. which is very interesting. Because I'm guessing from a psychological point of view, winning and losing really causes anxiety and depression and all sorts of things, right? Like whipping you from one side to the other on extremes. That is the winning and losing and the outcome is, is the thing that, um, the one thing we don't have control over, we have some control, partial, right? Yep. And the, the key is to teach kids, players at every level to control what they can control. And so we can speak about this, this is a well-known concept in sports psychology, control what you can control. Uh, it's a life concept, right? done, And that's where the training comes in. That's where the awareness comes in. That's where the consistency and motivation comes in. Of what kind of mindset do you need to be, to play world-class? And all the best talk about, Michael Jordan said, why would I be thinking about winning and losing when I'm on the court? Or why would I be thinking about that when I need to be focused on the things that will help me win, basically? So, but, but this pressure, this fear that has crept into uh, the psyche of, of families, players, parents, including coaches, because they feel responsible to get these outcomes. So kids are sort of hearing, don't worry about the outcome. Uh, and then they get off the court and the parents will say, well, you know, your forehand was off. What are you doing? And you're doing this, you're slumping your shoulders, you're playing safe, whatever. So yeah. that immediate critical feedback with kids we're a bit it's a bit hypocritical we say don't worry about the outcome and then rank of course to get into tournaments you need so it's about balancing the 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 desire to win there's nothing wrong with that and hating to lose to be good you have to hate it you know that's not not fearful of losing but you can and should probably hate losing and then learn how to control what you can control i mean i can say it today with the advent of technology so everyone has smartphones so everyone's video recording on the side of the court. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a lot of, um, yeah. so it's a different um, world. World, yeah, these days. Um, and then you have basically, I think in 2021, you have you had King Richard, that movie that came out. Mm. Again, yeah. probably, um, probably inspired a lot of kids thinking that, yeah, they all become... William sisters and um yeah that's a very um particularly parents who don't know the game that well so they 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 get exposed to it in in, in particular way and then there they made it in america maybe or they wherever they 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 were successful and they have disposable income their kid is pretty good you know and, and wins matches and loses some too and but oh, maybe we have something here, you know. And uh, the level of, of ability, talent, uh, and and work it takes to be uh, top hundred in the world or top fifty in the world, you know, to make a living at it. Um, the odds are so are stacked so far against you. But the, I think it, I think parents and even some coaches don't understand the levels 
uh, and the, it, you need everything. You need the, the mental and emotional aspect. You need the clean, pristine technique. You need to understand the game, have a good tennis IQ tactically, understand. You have to be willing to suffer and put in the time to be fit, cardio, strength, flexibility. Mm. And, and you have to be willing to, to go all in and have the talent, which is, a, is an X factor. And yeah. you know, many, many don't. And then they'll, as you were saying earlier, Barry, they'll send their kid to, to some academy or they'll move the family to you know, uh, Florida. Florida, or, <laughs> Florida. Yeah, and, and then and the kids are, so are training with the best yeah. and, and they're, you know, they have a, a nine UTR and yeah. try the parents are like, but you know, he, he plays at a 10.5 UTR in practice and, and it's, uh, but the pressure the kids feel to make good on this investment is mm. also something that uh, the, the pressure really is quite significant. Right. So, um, on that point, do you have any tips for parents um, around this to, to monitor signs that their mental health maybe is getting worse from doing too much or? Kids don't have a developed frontal lobe, prefrontal cortex until they're roughly 28 years old, right? So, so uh, they're, they're being, you know, they're kind of hijacked out there often of fear of, of missing, of losing, uh, there and, and parents are watching and maybe disappointed and and they're so there's a lot there and um, and so you know as far as tips it, when you see your child um, really carrying the losses with them out overnight and into the week and and you see them uh, energy is low and uh, all of that that's certainly you know signs of depression and you have to look across the board in other areas school and friendships too but uh you know you do want to you know anxiety is very high now we know with covid and mental health in general anxiety is extremely high it's at least doubled and probably tripled here right so um kids are kids are anxious and the world is uncertain and tennis is the most uncertain you go out and you don't know it's all you no team whether you're going to win or lose so it's just being mindful and trying to to have uh, to not add pressure to kids, right? And give them resources to to improve this part of the game. It is something you can work on to have somebody objective. It's very difficult, if not sort of counterproductive to have parents trying to influence their child's directly around their attitude and behavior when it comes to pressure and performance, when fear is operating and they're, the kids are erupting on the court or after, and they're getting into fights and things because kids are wanting naturally to become more independent. They're wanting to separate and become their own person, right? To a certain degree. And if parents are, are sort of controlling too much, are, are uh, doing too many things for them, uh, which can happen easily, you know, kids forget and they're not doing the uh, packing their bag and but helping kids take care of the things they can take care of let them sign up for the tournament let them pack their bag you know try help them at first but but give them that responsibility yeah that's a that's an excellent point um I, i'm a big believer in that and being a parent um my son and daughter actually follow in early learners the montessori approach which, which encourages that independence. Um, I never had it as a kid because I was Asian and as in an Asian family, <laughs> you become more dependent over time. 
<laughs> the other way around. Um, so that was my own lesson there. And it was just things like basic responsibility over, you know, if you take something like where your tennis, in this context, where your tennis rack, put it back where it was, put the balls back where it was. As you said, book your own events, yeah. whatever that's the case. Or weigh in, at least be part of that process. So and be part of that process rather than your parents pushing it and going, just focus on the the training, which isn't like, it's just great insights that it, it relates to, you know, optimizing your child, just generally speaking, not just tennis, other sports, or if they, they want to become something else, like, you know, the, the, the next Elon Musk, for example. Whatever but, it is. But, but to do to how to optimize their their the themselves their character providing clarity on the values that you want them to get you know as a human being it will translate on the court if it's tennis specific if yep. you're squeezing something and, and it, it will often yeah, I, I, I love that i love that point because my, my daughter even though she's two and a half she's already saying daddy where's my water bottle yeah. Like she's already yeah. taking that responsibility yeah. <laughs> that when she goes to tennis practice or like coaching, there's certain things she has to follow. Yes. Um, and I think that's... Here's the irony, Barry. Like yeah. tennis is, you know, is an individual sport, right? And, and if you usurp the kid's autonomy, their in sense of independence and confidence, yes. sense of mastery... There they are in the third set, break point, and 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 they don't know whether what to do. They don't know if they should adjust this or that, and they don't have the the sort of that initiative, that independence to make you know adjustments or to uh, make changes, basically, and uh, and 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 play for for themselves, play on their own quote terms, and not just for somebody else. So this autonomy and giving them a chance to. Um, be part of the process is 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 essential, and I would just want to add that different cultures operate differently, right? Yeah. So in the Asian culture, there is more respect, for example, for adults, for elders. Yes, and so kids are more amenable to hearing feedback and and direction. Now yes. that can go awry in a very bad way too, depending on the kind of kid and how yeah. Americanized they become or yeah. how. Uh, their yeah. temperament. So I just wanted to say though that that the cultural aspect, you know, you can influence your child a bit more in in the Asian culture than you can yep. at you know, I mean, sometimes the American culture. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just seeing this observationally, right? But lots of Asian culture kids, like Indian, Chinese, from you know where the parents are immigrants, hugely popular tennis, hugely. <laughs> Um, yeah. um, and I, I don't think the first thing on their mind is seeing a sports psychologist. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'd love Becoming to. So though, more so you'd be. More so? Yep. In the last uh, three, six months, it's. Um, it's changing. Uh, yeah. As I said, you know, with, with Osaka and Bayo. Oh, yeah. Like she's blowing Korea, up up there. Yep. So many are coming out and openly talking about depression and, you know, the, the, the anxiety, et cetera. Yep. So you are seeing it, but. But uh, that can go very, because of that, you said the immigrants, they, they succeeded, they've been successful with hard work and they want to offer this, this opportunity to the kids yep. and the kids feel enormous yeah. pressure. I mean, there's another example, I think in, in your area, in the 
Bay Area are the skier or one of the, an Asian female. Yeah. She's won gold medal like in the Winter Olympics. And there's a few issues around that, I think, around her mental health. And she, her, her parents were interviewed about what's the secret and to her success. And she, and she, she was a Stanford alumni. And um, she went to, I think, San Francisco High School, one of those ones. Um, and um, she said the secret was just sleep a lot more every day. What, what's your take on that? <laughs> like she just let her slept. Yeah, that's what the parents said. Yeah, that's what the parent. That's what the mum said. <laughs> um, yeah, is that evidence based? <laughs> information there <laughs> well we know sleep is obviously uh, crucial yeah. right uh, an hour more of sleep yeah. reduces injury um and you know and, and improves performance focus especially sleep um and as an athlete and and people in general we don't sleep the way we can so certainly sleep is a peak performance yeah. tool <laughs> if you yeah. can get it right and, and you guard it and but uh so that's the, when you're that good and you, you need recovery, that's another aspect here that yeah. we're talking about that uh, there's so much emphasis on, on repetition and hours and getting the 10,000 hours and oh, you know, competing yeah. with the next family and the next kid who's got this coach and they're playing four hours a day that, um, you know, that uh, trying to recover, get, making sure that's an aspect of your, of your entire um, process you know, giving athletes time to bodies and minds chance to, yeah. to, to let go a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's um, arguments against that 10,000 hour rule too, but as, okay. as we talked about, uh, I think there's a race to quickly get to the 10,000 hours as early as possible. So you're finding that parents that's, that's a, getting their kids to yeah. hit fluffy balls earlier <laughs> to exactly. increase the whole overall volume, which Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That the more balls you hit, technically, the better you should get with the right feedback and mindset. The, the downside, isn't there a downside to everything? Isn't there a cost and benefit to everything? Yeah. For one out of, you know, um, 100,000 or, or uh, kids, or one out of, you know, you name that, you know, put the number there, um, that level of training that early and they have all the other factors including the x factor and then they become something special but um you 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 front load it like that at six or seven and to, to 11 and they they look amazing at 12 yeah um, and with 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 the wrong ingredient and the you know not enough intrinsic motivation not enough um uh, balance that amazing 12 year old will never play again after 16 or yeah I've, I've seen this i've seen this actually so there's a lot of parents with instagram accounts that manage it for their kids amazing technique and just amazing players at like 10 12 as he said and you never amazing. see them again in in the pro circuit for some reason i'm not sure go the 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 the, the stat on that was about 75% of athletes in general were quitting when they started at that age that they were quitting by the time they were 16, you know, because oh. it wasn't fun. Yeah. Yeah. When you go that intensely in that early, 
it's 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 uh, so you just if you do go intensely like that you just have to be aware of of the importance of some of the things we're talking about so the 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 ride there is as smooth as you can make it and and it's, let's face it i mean tennis is a pretty extreme sport in many ways playing five setters um you can get injured and never get back correct to your original form oh boy i've seen it well and, and the risk of that by just overloading joints and tissues at an early age just increases that rate significantly and the research around that is emerging but it's not prominent yet right. do you agree like it's this is kind of a new phase in, in yeah it's out there but in science yeah but not in the mainstream it's not in the uh, mainstream no I don't so, think it is. It's not a government guideline, right? Not to. Um, so it's quite interesting because you're seeing on the other end of the spectrum, you're getting a lot of marathon runners, endurance sports, in the, the older age group doing a lot of training. And I think you're starting to see, yeah, as, as we talked about like parents starting their kids early for many reasons, not just for one. Um, so I think your area of expertise is just, going to become more and more pop <laughs> you'll be booked out for many months worldwide um, I've already seen it, 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 because yeah. the kids are they can't handle it and 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 now that it's okay to seek out mental training it in fact here's the good uh sort of metric uh a couple of years ago just pre-covid really parents were asking me how i just when i asked them does your child want to do this are they open to mental training they would you know, in, in 50% of the cases say, well, we haven't yet spoken to him or her, but we were wondering how we should approach that. What would be the best way to talk to our child? Now, 95% yep. of the cases, they're saying, oh, my, my child has been asking me for mental training. Wow. Okay. Didn't know that. It's... <laughs> that is a massive sea change of kids who are uh, uh, recognizing more the value of of this so they yeah. must be picking up through the media and that commentator yeah. yeah. medvedev has a sports i guess i mean um so i check has a sports psychologist number one in the world hasn't lost a match in how long now has a sports psychologist in the box with her right wow so uh it's just becoming more like of course you would go have somebody who specializes in the mind I think we all need it in many ways, not even in just sports. Like, I think sometimes someone like Elon Musk needs it. He loses emotional control, right, on Twitter. Right. I wonder what's going on there. Like, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, lot, a lot of power and a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah. the mind is a very powerful tool. Yeah. It can be well or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, if yeah. people want to get access to you, I think, I think there's two aspects. There's either parents that just want to learn about it so, so they're aware of when to engage in a sports psychologist, for example, or what to do with, uh, what, what they can do independently to self-manage and prevent things like this from, happen, from happening, as well as optimizing their kids' mental resilience. Because I think that's a key, absolute critical aspect in this world, uh, this mental side. Um, and I think it's becoming a bigger, bigger problem overall um, with COVID, anxiety associated with that, with the complexity of how much information kids get on social yeah. media. Yes. Oh, it's just insane. 
Um, so even even work from home, right? Like that that's even causing a lot of mental health isolation issues with workers. For sure. For sure. Um, and a lot of these probably try to get out and play tennis and you know get a bit of social connection, etc. So um, to access you, what I know you've got a book, you've got a course, you also provide virtual services. Um, yep. Could you tell me a bit about that? If anyone, any of our audience would like to reach out to you or do you have any blogs and things where they can learn more about you? Yeah, I would say, I would say the first step would be to go to my website and yes. uh, fearlesstennis.com, uh, sign up for a newsletter that will be uh, being revamped at the moment. You'll get a, you know, a weekly uh, newsletter, eventually yep. some weekly tip type, type thing. Uh, my course, two courses are available there. One, Fearless Tennis, takes players really through the process of how do you become more uh, mentally tough, if you will. How do you manage emotions? How do you play looser and hit through your shots, which is probably the number one issue with players is how do you let go? How do you, you know, really commit to your shots and play on your terms, as I said? How do you focus for that long when kids are very distracted how do you focus? What does that look like? How do you train that? So the fearless tennis course really helps players individually do that. The, the getting tight courses specifically around anxiety and nerves and how do you manage tension? Uh, it's a match that I played against Francisco Clavette, number 17 in the world before with wins over Agassi and Hewitt. And I played him, I, I went three sets with him and uh, I played him two years ago and, and it was an interesting, I talk about the things that I did well and where I fell in the traps with Craig O'Shaughnessy, who's very popular in terms of his strategy and tactical analysis of matches. So we had a very in-depth conversation of the match and how it relates to players developing the mental, you know, uh, fortitude and mindset coupled with the right tactical uh, play uh, for their game, for their, for their game styles. So it's a really interesting combination of the two. And then, um, I think uh, lastly, then it would be to contact me, you know, via, via the website. Yes. Uh, if there's interest in individual consultation myself or some of my, my partners uh, could certainly uh, see some of the families and uh, get them on the right track. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Jeff. Um, yeah. Yeah. My we'll pleasure. See you again with new digital products, which we'll probably be working on the pipeline over time. And um, we'll see how everything goes to share the mission. Yeah, no, it's great, Barry. It's great to connect with you and a lot of work to be done here. And, and hopefully, yeah, people will get this information so they can start making these good decisions. Thanks so much, Barry. All the best. My pleasure. Thanks, Jeff.